Hello and welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm so excited to be welcoming to the show today Tori and Alex Jacobs. Tori and Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show today. So we can just start at the beginning and kind of talk about how you guys got started in rodeo and got into horses in the first place. I guess we've always kind of grown up with horses, but we didn't, we definitely did not start in rodeo. We started in little fun shows and like trail riding stuff, and our parents actually raised Missouri Fox Fires growing up. So we did that kind of aspect, and then as we got like more involved in 4-H, we kind of switched over to the Western Pleasure World, and we did that for like a couple of years, and then through 4-H, we met a lot of people who rodeoed and then kind of just took off from there, but we didn't really start rodeoing till junior high, high school time, so that's kind of how we got started in the rodeo, but... Yeah, the people that brought you into the sport, how did they kind of get you to branch out and get into the rodeo world and get you going to the junior rodeos because that's kind of how it happened for my family too i'm the first person in my family that's rodeoed but how did they kind of approach you guys and get you transitioned over uh, the first <laughs> event we actually like we did barrels and poles at all the fun shows and stuff but in 4-h we started go tying first which is a weird event to start with and then we're like oh we want to start doing these bigger rodeos and we we're just kind of over the fun shows and the pleasure deal and once we started rodeo and we never went back yeah i i don't blame you <laughs> what advice if you had any advice that you'd give to people like was that transition really hard what would you say looking back at it when you went to make that transition, what would you tell other people who are trying to get into rodeo? Because it can be really intimidating. It's definitely not easy at all. It is extremely intimidating because every discipline in horses has their cliques and their little groups. A clique sounds bad. Just people who have grown up doing it forever, and it is really intimidating. So we, since like coming from Pleasure, and we didn't grow up in a rodeo family. Like we're the only two in our entire family that are rodeos, and so you got to find people to help you and that were willing to help and not just, uh, you'll find out. But then we started like find horses and learn what to even do. It's just a big struggle, but you'll meet people that turn into family and it'll make a big difference in the long run. Yeah. I would just find, like she said, people that are willing to help you because it is very, and a very intimidating field to go into, especially not having a background in it or like I have friends that are like, yeah, I have generation after generation of family members that have done rodeo and we didn't have that, but it's, it's going to take a little extra work, but I would say find a good group of friends and surround yourself with them because it'll make it a lot easier and it's going to take, especially if you don't come from this industry, it's, it's going to take you twice as much work, but like I think we're living proof you can be successful in it even if you don't have a background in it. Yeah, I love that. And I definitely get that too because I was kind of in the same boat. Like I said, the first one in my family rodeo. And I think that the longer you do it, you see your own growth and see things that you did when you were younger or that you didn't have somebody to show you how to do it. And you're like, oh, wow, I had some real learning to do. And you just kind of have to trial and error your way through it instead of having somebody that's always there like the kids that grow up with parents that have rodeoed their whole lives and can show them exactly how to rope and the practice pin, what to do, and all that kind of stuff. And I think like when you don't grow up with that, you have to do a lot of that on your own. But like you said, it's still totally doable. You just have to put in a lot of work. Um, yeah. Who were the mentors and coaches for you guys? Like, how did they, how did they really help you? I've never been to like a goat tying clinic in my life, but 
one person that I always looked up to is Lynn Smith. And I couldn't ever afford to go to any of her clinics, but she had YouTube videos that literally are like, I have them memorized. But I think finding good role models, ride how you would like to ride and preach things that you believe in. There's people who are living lives that you kind of relate to with yours. It's, it's hard to find mentors when you're new in the field, but there are people out there who are willing to help you without trying to like take all your money for it. It's just sometimes it takes a little bit harder to find them. Yeah, and I think that's something that's really great that we do with RodeoKids.com is we're helping put out videos like that so the kids that can't jump right in and go to a clinic and can't get into it that way can still go online and find the information that they need to take those steps forward, you know? And I think it's really great that we have YouTube and social media and everything and we can look up things like that and it, it makes a huge difference. So as you've made all those transitions and grown up, what are the changes that you've seen going from the junior rodeos to the high school rodeos and then into college where you're at now? Do you think there's a big change in as you're going through that? The atmospheres. From junior high rodeos and just going to jackpots and stuff, it's a lot more laid back. And then high school rodeo gets a little more intense. And I think college rodeos are just like high school rodeos, but without parents. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lot different. You're way more independent than you ever thought you would be. And no one else is going to make you do it. You have to go out and want it kind of thing. Yeah. See, I, I feel I kind of opposite of that. <laughs> but it seems like junior high and high school we're so we're so competitive with each other and once I got to college and I don't know if it's just the region I'm in but all of the goat tires in this region like we're all, we all help each other out if there's something wrong if we notice somebody's just just the tiny little thing like a tweak you have like five goat tires that are coming up to you and I mean I don't know if just us getting into rodeo in high school we didn't have as we didn't have as many friends because we were new to it and it's hard when you're new to it and you're not confident in it to just go out and make friends but like in college I know that from my experience at least people are like super willing to always be there and help you with stuff so I know from freshman year to now my goat tying has changed drastically just because of the people I've met and that have helped me yeah and that's something else too all three of us college rodeo in different regions which is kind of crazy that we all came from the same place and I haven't rodeoed in either of y'all's regions. I just know the last fall semester that I've rodeoed in the Southwest region. But every college rodeo for us is about like a pro rodeo. I mean, Lubbock was insane. We had contestant hospitality and slack all day. There were concerts after the rodeo, trailers and saddles and everything. It was intense, but the people were still super, like you could walk up to anybody and make friends, and I never really got that feeling when I was younger, and I think that part of that's just that middle school and high school, like I think kids growing up don't always know how to be nice, and then we all get older and realize that we're all just here to go out and compete, and you don't have to be mean to anybody, being nice is the way to be, and I think everybody kind of gets that when they grow up, which makes it a lot more fun, for me anyway. I think that the more that I've grown up and gotten older in rodeo, the more fun that it's gotten. Yeah, for sure. How do you guys balance, like, your practice, school, rodeo, and then Alex? I mean, we know you work because we had to reschedule this. <laughs> Sorry about it. <laughs> Just for you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, 
Well, we don't have a lot of goat tires in my, at my school, so I tie whenever I want to because I bring my own goats, and then I just ride horses whenever I have time. So usually I wake up, and then I go feed, which takes about half hour to an hour, and then I go to class all day, then I work, and then I ride and feed again and hopefully make it to the gym. So it's a long day, but we make it work. Um, I had I found a, a coat a couple of years ago because... It does. You have to be able to time manage. And this quote said, the bigger your dream, the earlier you're going to have to wake up. And everybody's given the same 24 hours in a day. And you really just got to look and see what are the people who are being successful doing different than you are. Because a lot of people will be like, I don't have time. But I'm like, I work two jobs on top of being a full-time student, on top of practicing every day and going to the gym. And it is possible, but you ha- you're gonna you're going to lose sleep. I sometimes I'll get two hours of sleep sometimes I'll get three hours of sleep but at least I know like I made it to the gym I got all my homework done I worked both jobs that day I got practice and some days I don't sleep but I mean in the end it's gonna pay off and I say you you can sleep when you're dead I would rather lose sleep (laughs) now and see the successes in my work well I think just from the outside you can definitely see the results that you're having from working so hard. I mean, the growth in your tying and in your riding and everything has grown so much since high school, since like the last time that I've really been able to see you compete, to see you now winning every college rodeo and absolutely kicking butt. Way to go, by the way. Doing great. <laughs> yeah. The work, you can tell when people are putting in the work. They're the ones that are successful. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. I think that's cool too. I don't remember who said it, but uh, it's always floating around Facebook that there's people out there that want to succeed just as bad as you, and there's always going to be people outworking you, so you need to be the hardest worker in the room, and I think that's really important because it's easy to make up excuses and be like, well, I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that. Well, you could if you really put your mind to it and just worked at it. Yeah, that's what I'm like. Everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. Yeah. How you choose to use it is what's going to set you apart. Yeah, so. for sure. So does you guys' – how do practices work for your teams? Tori, do you guys have goat practice, or what does that kind of look like at your schools? Well, we have a crap ton of goat tires. So, I don't know. I usually bring goats up here, and it's kind of like practices start at 3 every day, and they usually start alternating days, whether we are roping calves or roping steers. But we have a little side arena that we can ground tie whenever, but usually Wednesday nights we do full runs. Other than that, if you can get two, three people out there, we'll tie. So when our season's just starting, we'll tie twice a day. And we'll do, I think, last year we did 5.30 in the morning because we had an indoor we could go tie at. So we would tie in the morning, and then we'd come back in the afternoon and tie again just to get ourselves back into shape. But we'll start tying in February to get ourselves ready for this coming season. But we usually tie every day. Yeah. And Alex, you guys kind of touched on it, but do you guys do anything, like, with the barrel racers at all? Or I know, like, at our school, barrel racers are kind of everybody's so individualized with their horse and what they want to do to stay tuned up. So we don't really worry about that a whole lot at practice. But, um, like, the other events that you guys do, do you do anything with that with your team? Or is it kind of an individual thing? Uh, yeah. So 
also like steer wrestlers, uh, calf ropers, breakaways, and gym ropers. They all have scheduled practices in different arenas we all rope at. So they can rope and ride whenever they want to during that. But then barrel racers, just like you said, they're kind of on their own. Nobody wants to schedule anything because we all have different schedules. So it would just be kind of hard. And then goats, it's like I said earlier, you just kind of tie whenever. But it's hard to motivate yourself especially like if you're the only one time but i have a lot of people that help me like offering to hold the goat and i always send videos to tori so she can (laughs) critique me but (laughs) yeah we make it work it's a lot different because i always expected practices to be like how tori's had them but when i got down here it was a lot different than what i had anticipated (laughs) i mean you could have come here (laughs) you know you live in (laughs) where it's cold no thanks we're out on that we don't do the cold. <laughs> Has it changed a lot then? Like in high school, did your practices look really similar? Or, Tori, do you kind of keep it the same as you were in high school? Or have you changed things as your tying has changed and grown? I think in high school, I was usually in two sports at school at the time and then would come home and tie. But I don't know. I think in high school, I would like focus on quantity over quality. So I would be tying two hours at a time by myself and going through like seven goats a night and now I've tied a million times it gets muscle memory by now I do a smaller quantity of more quality ties if that makes any sense yeah Uh, and just I feel like my practices aren't just tying anymore I think the gym is a huge part of practicing and being successful in any event in rodeo but also my practices are like getting my horses in shape and working good as well it's not like in high school I used to try and do everything and just exhaust myself but yeah in high school I would rope the dummy for hours until my arm would fall off and then the more videos that I've watched and the more people I've talked to it's like I go to the barn I get out my dummy and I pick one thing and when that one thing starts to get better for the day we call it quits you know otherwise I think sometimes when you're tying so much or roping so much you can make more bad habits just exhausting yourself than you're really creating good ones yeah I've tried to go a million times. I can do it with my eyes closed now. So if it's, I know I can do a perfect tie and I don't try to tie perfect. I try to quicken the imperfections, that makes sense, because you're never going to have a perfect job. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, something's going to go wrong. So it's trying to figure out how to speed up the unexpected instead of having that perfect run every time. Yeah. Alex, what do you think? How has it really changed for you, too? I mean, I know you kind of mentioned it, but... What has that change been going from tying with Tori every day to having your own practices? Yeah, I'll admit it's been hard because in high school I always had Tori there to tie. She was always there to coach me and just tell me what I was doing wrong, tell me how to fix it, tell me I was doing good. But now I have to like kind of do that on my own. Like She still will watch videos for me and call me and talk to me about it and stuff. But it's not the same as it was like tying with her because she definitely pushed me to do better because she's a heck of a goat tire. So once you're tying with girls who want to win and are good, that pushes you. So it's hard when you're just trying to motivate yourself. But. Yeah. And that's kind of a unique thing that you two have going is the sibling relationship. And it was always really fun to be around you guys in <laughs> high school. Like you're so entertaining when you're together. But how has that really affected growing up? How, what's it like to compete with each other? And I know you've traded some horses back and forth and that kind of thing. Um, it's a different dynamic than most people have. 
Um, um, we co-parent is what we yeah. call it. <laughs> uh, we kind of share horses and like whichever <laughs> one's working, we literally will make, I'll drive down to Oklahoma, swap her horses in the middle of the season if we need to. Well, but, last semester I drove to Nebraska back to Iowa just to get her a horse there. Okay, but I went and dropped her off a horse, too. So, but I don't know. I think growing up, we were super competitive with each other, but we kind of chose opposite events because yeah. you ask anybody, she's the barrel racer and I'm the goat tire. So I think us choosing opposite events kind of kept us sane, and I think it is good that we went to different regions because I think we would be way too competitive if we were running against each other in college, too. The world wouldn't know what hit them. <laughs> <laughs> or the state of South Dakota, but yeah, same yeah. thing. <laughs> no, uh, but the whole sharing horses thing, we're not poor by any means, but we're not rich. We don't have the money to go buy finished horses and stuff, so we just rely on each other a lot. Like Tori said, if we have a horse going, that's the one that's going to go. So I have the paint horse down here, which she was supposed to have, but she got another horse going good, so it all kind of worked out. But not many people would be willing to share horses like this, so I'm just grateful that we agree on that. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, that's something cool about you guys, too, is you've made a lot of the horses that you've had going. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we've ever bought a finished horse. <laughs> well, the the Indian pony I got down here, he was a pleasure horse. He was, like, world champion pleasure horse that we were just, like, go around pulling. a pleasure horse, English queen horse. <laughs> Our definition of all around is a little different. <laughs> That's awesome. How do you guys handle the transition when you kind of started to get out of the high school rodeos and go to college? You were getting rid of some of your older horses and kind of stepping up to that next level. And when you're making a lot of them yourselves and not buying those finished ones, how do you really handle that, given the responsibility to the young ones and stepping them up? I would say, like, trust the process. Because it's, it's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight. And taking risks, it... It's scary, but it does pay off. The young horse I'm running in goats right now, I've had her for five years, and it took her five years to get to where she is. But, I mean, I wouldn't... People will rush horses so often, like, give them that time to grow up and figure their stuff out, because the first rodeo I sent her to this fall was her first time ever being in a rodeo, first time ever being competed in goats, and we ended up winning the first round. I think if I wouldn't have given her that time to grow up, we, she wouldn't have performed as well. So I just, just trust the process and don't be afraid to take risks. You're either going to succeed or you're going to learn something from it. Yeah. It's a very humbling experience, especially going from a finished barrel horse who was consistently winning to going to having young horses. Like, there's a lot of highs, but there's a lot more lows than you think about, and it's a it's very hard mentally just to go from that, but it's all worth it in the end once it gets put together. So. Yeah, that's important that we all keep that in mind because you can have some really successful horses, but their career is always going to be shorter than yours. They just, they can't compete forever. And so we're always going to have that new horse. And even if you go buy a finished one, I mean, when I was in high school, I had one that was really cool and he was pretty finished and it still took us a year to get where we were consistently together and and still doing well because it's a team and it's a partnership you know <laughs> so like 
how have you guys' seasons worked this year, being different with the coronavirus and everything? Like, nobody really wants to talk about it anymore. But what did your fall look like, and what's your spring looking like as you're looking forward in the college oh, rodeos and in school? Don't look forward. I'm so tired of the corona right now. Uh, same. I think we all are. <laughs> we have some states. I don't know. When I visited Oklahoma, it seemed like there wasn't even a virus, but, like, up here where I'm at, like, it's still pretty strict on everything, but we had, not, like, because normally you have ten rodeos in a season and five in the fall and five in the spring, but we had three weekends of doubleheader rodeos. You would get there on, like, Thursday, and then there would be, instead of, because, like, normal college rodeos, you have a long run and then a short go and an average, we would have, we'd run once, and however you ended up there, that was the first rodeo, and then you would have a long go and short go for the second one so you were making I mean if you did multiple events I can't even tell you how many runs you'd make in a weekend but there was like three weekends in a row where you're making three to four runs did you have to and, really change your mental game or the way that you prepared for those weekends rather than just a two run weekend yeah like you leave Thursday morning you get home Sunday and you're getting ready to leave on Wednesday again so and if you know I know a lot of people got really beat up mentally because if you started out with a bad run it's like how do you come back from that and fix your mental games if you weren't in the right headspace you your whole weekend was just gone so it's just really figuring out and yeah i watched a lot of people who just couldn't handle the pressure of it and i mean i did the last one i struggled but it was a lot of time on the road and not a lot of breaks and just the stress of it definitely got to a lot of people yeah What's the best way to bust out of a slump like that? If you start off on the wrong foot at that first one and you know you've only got three days to recover before you need to be back out there going for the win. I I tell people, because I used to have the worst anxiety and mental game ever, and like mm-hmm. it, it hurt me for <laughs> the longest time, but one thing I tell myself is the world didn't end. No matter how many goats I've had get up or the shortcuts I've missed, the world still kept spinning. There is there's another run there's another rodeo so if you can't change what you did so you might as well not dwell on it because if you dwell on it, it's only going to hurt your next performance fix what you can but i tell a lot of the girls just the freshmen that got thrown into this holy cow they didn't know what hit them but they really got in their heads and i want you guys have tied a million goats i've seen you at practice for a month and a half tying with everybody else I'm like there's like just go out there and make a run quit thinking about anything else but the run yeah do you think that you have to for you personally or for people that you've seen do you have to work just as hard when you're winning or when you're winning you start out strong can you just kind of coast on that or do you do anything mentally to help yourself stay strong and not let yourself get back into a slump winning definitely helps but I try not to dwell on bad runs for as long as I can because they happen you can't not every run's gonna go perfect or just the way you want it but I have a bad weekend instead of it discouraging me I feel like I work harder yeah no matter what I'm going to be working hard in between rodeos I don't like to take days off but I usually find things I can work on and like you said when you go rope you pick out something to fix that day and that's what you focus on and when you fix that you're done because usually if you're messing up a lot of the girls, it's their heads that are messing up. Like, I'll put blindfolds on girls at practice and tell them to tie. And yeah. they do it. It's your head that's messing you up more than anything. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to take a step back and say, you know what? 
like no one to quit and no one to step away and come back better the next day because if you just keep sitting there and fighting with it you're just going to get frustrated and that's not good for anybody uh-huh. Alex what did your fall season <laughs> look like <laughs> there well, in the middle of the country I didn't have a fall season <laughs> Uh, we have now nine rodeos in the spring. One of them got canceled already. And our first rodeo is February 18th here in Alva. But then after that, it's just back-to-back every single weekend, basically, until final. So that's going to be a hard, long, expensive stretch. That is <laughs> going to be crazy. Because we rodeo on Thursday, like Thursday through Sunday, so I miss a lot of classes. But our teachers are really good about making sure that we stay up with it and they're really easy to work with but hopefully we get to have a season so some of them are no fans which is all right as long as we get a rodeo I'm all for it yeah that's awesome well at least they're really trying to make accommodations and let you guys rodeo this this semester at least yeah (laughs) I know for us um they rescheduled we had a rodeo in New Mexico and it got rescheduled to the spring so we only had four in the fall now we have six in the spring um so fingers crossed that all of those go as planned and we still get to rodeo as well yeah because i think that college rodeo really helps make college a lot more fun (laughs) when that's what you want to be doing i think too like it kind of high school rodeo did a really good job of preparing me anyway for the college rodeo setup and that long weekend because when we high school rodeoed we would leave on a thursday or friday and get to the high school rodeo, get set up and everything, and then spend the long weekend. And so I kind of got into that rhythm of missing a day or two of school, rodeoing, like keeping all my stuff together, and that schedule of the travel and everything. Do you think that like high school rodeo and the rodeos that you went to before you stepped up to college helped prepare you in that kind of way and get you ready for the next level? Yeah, definitely, because we, like, our weekends look a little different because we always, we play different sports, so usually we have a track meet or something, so my dad would take the horses in the trailer to the rodeo, and then we would go run at the track meet and then drive down, or I'd be running IRCAs, and then I'd have to run at the high school rodeos and then go to another IRCA. It was just very busy, so having to miss those things and work around them, it's just, I'm used to it now, so it's not that big of a deal anymore. Yeah. And I think, too, I've noticed once I got to school, I have friends that are just in classes and not really doing anything outside of their mm-hmm. college classes. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I have so much to do and I'm so stressed. And I'm like, man, this is easy. Like, we're not even rodeoing yet. Well, yeah. <laughs> I have so much time and I'm just going to classes. This is a cakewalk right now. <laughs> right. I don't know if it's just rodeo kids, or I know athletes are kind of that same way, but you really learn time management and how to handle your schedule. And I think yeah. that when we get out of college, everything seems like it's going to be a walk in the park because we'll have so much free time just having like work and not having <laughs> school work. Everything's on fire and it's a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably going to be a combination. If I we mean, still have this Rona, it's just going to be uh, even more okay. We just try not to think about that. But it's <laughs> what are your plans in the next year? Because Tori, aren't you a senior this year? Yeah, I graduate in May, and then I am either looking at possibly going to school where Alex is, or I have a couple job opportunities in Texas. So I'm headed south. I'm done with the Arctic. What part of Texas? Wherever I get a job. Ah, well, I've got me nanny slammed together. (laughs) Alex, you just need to come to Texas, too. 
But do you have any superstitions or pre-run rituals, like when you're going down the road, when you're about to make a run? What does that look like for you? Oh, good lordy. I am yeah, the queen you know, of superstitions. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I only goat tie and white box. Really? And I have two different shirts. I have to wear a black shirt, and I have one or two shirts I'll wear, and I have one pair of jeans that I wear. What no do you And, like, I have to listen to a certain song. I used to be really, really bad. This is this is toned down. But, oh. um, like, I have this, I have a warm-up routine, and I have to do the same thing every time. What, what, how bad was it at the peak of your crazy superstitions? What was, like, give me the rundown. Like, I want to know. From the time I got up to leave to the time we left, I had to do the same exact thing every time. Like, going anything off that course just freaked me out. Did every it? single weekend. Are you serious? Yes. I did. Yeah. Do you feel like, like... I would get the worst anxiety. Well, did that really mess you up, though? Because you can't control everything. So what did you do when something would go wrong? Just have to deal with the fact that you were... Just have a meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. It just... It was just in like a tizzy. Oh my gosh. But once I got to college, like that, that changed a lot. But, um. How did you overcome that though? Like, did you just tell yourself I the whole my mental game. And how? <laughs> oh gosh. Give I, me the details, girl. Oh lordy, I started reading a couple of books. I'm focused on it, and, because it was really just my head that was getting in the way, because like, I was just overthinking everything, so I kind of just would try to think about anything but my run and just realize that the world wasn't going to end if I had a bad run by any means. Yeah. I like that. Well, I have exactly one superstition, and it's just that I won't wear yellow. And it's not even just in rodeo. I will not I wear... I have a yellow vest. I have no choice. Oh, yeah, no. I... I could not go to a school that had a yellow vest. Like, I won't wear yellow, ever. Not just for rodeo, but definitely not for rodeo. And par I just despise the color as a whole, and I think it's... <laughs> I mean, clearly it's not, because you're doing great in it, but... <laughs> I really have a wear yellow in the arena. You haven't? I, no, I wear it in the arena oh. every time. Why? Because people say it's bad. I heard, I don't know who it was. Somebody else has said that before, that it was like you're overcoming the, like that's just one more thing that you're overcoming if I, you were I yellow. I do it because I don't like to follow directions. I like to be a problem child. She's a rebel. I always just wear yellow. Oh my gosh. What's your favorite, do you have a favorite win or a proudest moment? It could be rodeo. It could be in any of your other sports, but do you have a proudest moment or a proudest win? My best, like, my favorite run to this day is IRCA Finals the last night. I've never made a better run in my entire life. Like, I don't even know if, I don't think we won or anything, which is fine. Winning isn't everything. But I actually rode my horse like I was supposed to. He worked really good. We were up there with the fastest people. Like, it was probably the best run I've made in my entire life. I'll never forget that run. Just lives in my head. Oh, <laughs> rent free. Rent free. Rent free. Those are the best. I think my proudest moment is probably. So I didn't know that I was sitting to go. My freshman year, I went with the team to the CNFR, and I had I had no idea. And like my parents had actually found out and told my coach not to tell me because they're like it'll just she'll get it. Yeah, we did. Yep, that's my family. But I guess I. Me qualifying for the short go literally came down to the last girl. 
running and me and my other teammate we were both she had won the region was like super freaking good and it came down to literally like we were tied and it came down to the last girl in the entire performance and we were just sitting there in the stand literally holding hands just so excited once we realized that we were going because we watched the girl run and we saw it she shortened her tie and she only did one wrap instead of two on a goat that had kicked up both girls before her and the goat came untied and then we just cried in the stand so I don't know I think that was just to be able to compete on that level not coming from a family that rodeo never having gone to a goat clinic in my life and being top 10 in the nation was just like I would never think I would get there that's so, so cool literally got chills for a second there how are you guys preparing for the spring season? I mean, we're getting really close. I keep forgetting that January and February are right next to each other, and then I've got college rodeos in just a couple weeks, and I really need to, you know, kind of get my life together. But how are you guys preparing for your spring seasons? I brought my horses back up here right, like, two days after Christmas. Um, and I've just been slowly getting them in shape. I actually, the horse I was going around for barrels, I just found out last week pulled a muscle. So I think I'm taking the spring season off of barrels and just focusing on goats. But I guess I bring my horses back early so that I can give them time to get into shape and not rush them, anything like that. But I also, in the off season, I spend a lot of time in the gym. I'm working my horses every day and expecting them to be on top of their game, I should be in shape and at the top of my game as well. So. Yeah. Alex, what are you doing to prepare for your absolute chaos of a spring semester? Yeah, my first rodeo coming up in like three weeks, two weeks, I don't know. Like two. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's coming up. But I gave my horses off almost a month, and then I have them down here, and I have my goats down here, but I've just been working on really legging them up because... Once the season starts going, they better be legged up by then, so lots of long trotting. But I think I'm going to go to a barrel race this weekend, so hopefully we make some runs because I'm making the switch back to the right barrel instead of the left barrel. So we're just going to see how that goes, but it's a lot of time exercising them, making sure they're eating good, and then lots of ground time. And then i got to figure out what horse I'm going to use for goats still. <laughs> I haven't figured that out goats. yet. No. I just need a wrestler and just find one that runs straight. Yeah, that's all you need. I might as well just put a couple of them down there. I bet you can find one somewhere, Alva, that steer wrestles. I don't even... Do we have steer wrestlers here? I'm not sure. I don't think you have any. Mm. Beats me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They don't go there or anything. That's not a thing. What are you talking about? No. (laughs) We're going to be swamped with steer wrestlers in the next year. No more than we already are. You'll be getting out at a good time, right, when all the boys are taking over? Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I did the same kind of thing. I let all my horses off when I was home for Christmas break. I was just riding some colts and things like that and then left my good horses off for about a month and took them, got them feeling really good, got some maintenance done on them, and then I've just been bringing my mare back, and I finally worked her on the pattern for the first time yesterday or the day before and it's crazy what some time off to get them fresh and feeling good will do oh my goodness she was wicked i don't know if it's like i think the mental and the physical have just as much to do with it with horses 
Oh, I 100% agree. But, like, I, they have to have that time off because as we're going to hit the road really hard, they won't have any time off. So their body needs rest. And I think after you rest for a little bit, you come back stronger than ever. So hopefully that yeah. continues. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with my mare is just the mental side of it because she's just a really, she's kind of an anxious type horse and been running her pretty hard there for a little bit. And I think she was almost just getting a little bit burnt out from hauling so much. And I think just time to go be a horse did her so much good. Yeah. But like you said, it's really important to have them legged up because by the time that you go and you're running three or four days a weekend, you can't take those off days in the middle of the week to go leg your horse up even more. No, that's when they need to rest, so. Yeah, and the best way to and keep them sound and healthy is to have them yeah. legged up before you go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If chaos starts, it doesn't stop. <laughs> that really is going to be the craziest spring semester, like maybe in the history of college rodeo for you guys. Probably. <laughs> Are you doing anything on your mental game or, like, for you to yeah, get prepared like for that? Yeah, like said, if your horse is working its best, you have to, too. So she's been helping me out, making me workouts, and I go to the gym, too. So that I think working on myself and getting myself a lot more fit is going to help me, too. Yeah. Hey, Tori, if you want to send some workouts over, like, I would legit pay you because <laughs> I need workouts. My mother tells me, like, once a week that I could drop out of school and just give people workouts, and I'm like, Tammy, don't tempt me with a good time. Victoria workouts. Do you have a favorite quote that you think of, like, just favorite oh, quote? so many. I have a whole freaking page of them. No, I want to go first. I have a quote book. Like, I legit have a notebook. Whenever I see something, I write it down. Yeah. So I've had a lot of quotes that I've, like, set with me, but the one I'm stuck on right now is hang out with people who fit your future, not your past, which that correlates to the saying surround yourself with winners, which I truly wholeheartedly believe in that because if you're hanging out with people who are in the practice pen every day or out roping the dummy late at night or just tying goats, whatever it takes, uh, those are the people that are going to succeed. And if you surround yourself with those people, you develop those same actions and then you're going to be a winner, too. Uh, yeah. I, I love that. that. People, your circle is probably one of the most important things. Yeah. You have good people around you or it'll make or break you. Yeah, when I was last fall, actually, me and a couple of my RAs here at the dorm had this whole conversation about that, and they were talking about how you have your A friends and your B friends and your C friends, and your A friends are those ones that they're like, hey, let's go out, let's hang out tonight, whatever, and then you're like, no, I have homework to do. Well, your A friends are going to say, okay, great, what can I do to help you get that homework done and help you study? Your B friends are going to be like, okay, that's fine, go study on your own, we're still going to go hang out. And your C friends are the ones that will drag you away from what you need to do anyway. And yeah. our RAs were all about find your A friends and surround yourself with those people who are going to understand and help you get your stuff done and succeed and not the ones that are going to be dragging you away from from your success, really. So that's awesome. I really love that quote. Tori, what's yours? Or one that's, like, really stuck with you right now because I know you probably have a ton. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I do. When it's super cold out right now, I struggle to want to ride or go outside or leave my bed. I just tell myself everybody's got the same 24 hours in a day. If you're not out there working hard, somebody else is working to try and take your spot. So... What are you doing to set yourself apart, if that makes any sense? Yeah. You, you're not always going to be the most talented person in the room, but hard work beats talent any day. Yeah, that's so. a really great one. 
I like that. Especially, I didn't really think about it until I went home for a month in the middle of winter. And I think I'd been in Texas long enough that I kind of forgot how hard the North can be in the winter. And all of those kids and people that still live in the North or that are growing up up there trying to put in the work through, like, really October to, like, May. <laughs> Most of the year. Like, June. When, yeah, June it's when it finally weather. dries it out. It's like 30 degrees up here and we think it's warm. I know. When I got back south, I mean, I think the first day I was back here it was, like, 50, and I put on my shorts and I was ready to go tan. I was like, it's warm again. It was so nice. It really is. But trying to stay mentally tough through when it's that cold and the weather is that different kind of cold. It was just cloudy every day and it's hard to stay motivated sometimes when that's what you wake up to and it's a whole lot easier to go out and want to work horses when it's 75 degrees than when it's 10 with wind and snow blowing and you don't have an indoor and you have to go catch your horses outside and your tack is cold. I would take it being 10 degrees. It's really negative. <laughs> and that's why we don't go to school there. <laughs> like you said, just remembering the, the positives and putting in the work anyway. And it shows. It really does. Have you had any like learning experiences on the rodeo road that as you've grown up and gone to college you were like, wow, I'm glad that I knew how to do that. Change a tire. Nobody knows how to change tires. Like, actually? Like, I almost a freshman girl this fall, and one of those tire was low, and she had no idea. Oh, my gosh. Or check the pressure in it. Or some people don't know how to check the oil in their trucks. Like, um, I feel like our dad prepared us. Yeah, I feel like our dad prepared us pretty well to be pretty independent. I don't know. I think just going with the flow, because... It's going to be a complete crap show sometimes. So just not taking things too seriously. Very eloquently put there, sorry. It's going <laughs> to be a crap show. That's the, logist- that's the logistics of it. I think, wasn't it you guys' dad that like, when you graduated sent you with uh, here's how you mechanic on your truck? Kind of deal. mechanics. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, next time my truck breaks down, I'm calling you and you better be here. Oh, I got you. We're pros. Oh, fantastic. I'm set. What do you think is the best thing that you guys' parents did as you're looking back really helped you as you were getting into the sport? Like, they made us work harder, if that makes any sense. Like, they weren't just going to hand us anything. We had to work for it. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they're always our biggest support system. They don't, they still don't know, and they, back then, they really didn't know, like, what was really going on, but they always supported us and watched what we were learning and tried to adapt to that, too, and so they'd always mom always said that she's happy that we never they never handed us anything because it shows to who we are now that we've worked for everything and how far we've come and i think just how they raised us and their support just really helped us to be where we are today yeah i think that's really cool too with parents that haven't been around it i mean it's a big leap for parents too to step out and say mm-hmm. yeah we're gonna go buy our kids these horses and start calling them to rodeo that's a big commitment on the parent side too it's really cool that you guys as parents stepped out there and kind of jumped into it it was a big jump <laughs> yeah they okay. told us because they sat us down before we like started rodeoing they're like is this something you guys really want to do and you guys are going to work for it we're willing to help you guys we were too young to have jobs at that point yeah. but they're like we'll help you then we were getting jobs to try and help them out, but 
they were willing to support us as long as they were willing to work for it. Yeah, and with that, like we always we played sports throughout high school and throughout elementary, but we picked rodeo over dance and softball. Those were like the two that we decided not to continue. Oh yeah, we dance. Yeah, <laughs> you we danced? did dance. I give all my credit in rodeo to my dance career. Um, yeah. I, I expect videos of both of you. I want to see the moves, especially yeah, Alex. Yeah. TikTok was around back then. We would be Charlie D'Amelio. <laughs> yeah, be, uh, I'd be Addison. For sure. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, but like we we went into this thing like big jump, like big we jump. Were, like we're not doing that anything. We're rodeoing, so it was good. That's awesome. Was there ever a point when you were in high school that you did all these other sports? And for me, my junior year of high school, when I decided to really high school rodeo and not just jackpot so much, I finally, I quit playing my other sports because I was like, I want to rodeo and I could not handle all of it. I mean, I was in a ton of extracurriculars and doing a ton of classes and getting my associate's degree and I was a stress ball. So I just picked rodeo over the other ones. But did you guys ever go through that with your other sports and everything that you did in high school too? Oh no. I love doing everything. Yeah. I was like, I got a job as soon as I turned 16 and was in, like, if I wasn't working before school, I was in the weight room or I was working on track in the off season or whatever sport I wasn't in, I was working on the other one when it was the off season. I don't know. I like to be busy. I don't like to sit still. I always constantly had something going on. Kept me out of trouble. The busier, the better. Alex, were you the same way? Yeah, we. I did cross country, track, and basketball, and those were a big part of our lives. And so was rodeo. And so we coaches sometimes wanted us to pick a sport, and I was like, No, we can't do that. We're not yeah. going to pick either rodeo or one sport. But usually they were really good with working with us and going, making sure we made it to meets and a rodeo. So that was really helpful. But coming into college, not having a good finished horse anymore we uh, both Tori and I thought about running track in college but we neither of us obviously did but that was a big factor playing in because I'm like well if I don't have a finished horse maybe I should just run track which I'm glad I decided to keep going with rodeo so oh heck our mother tried to get us to run they were bribing us to run <laughs> they were trying to get us to run track in college and not rodeo but yeah, yeah she's grateful we chose rodeo but, now, but, but yeah, here we are the table. here we are she's so proud <laughs> sorry Tammy didn't mean to call you out <laughs> <laughs> like it's amazing that you guys did that and were at the level that you could have gone on to be collegiate athletes in really anything that you wanted to. Do you have a favorite book? Tori, you said like you had that the books that you worked on to really work on your mental game. Uh, well, I read Mind Gym. It was mm -hmm. something that my track coach gave me in high school, and that's one that I first give people they're struggling, and I have a copy to myself, and then I have another copy that like I've read and I've highlighted and wrote notes in the margin that is my traveling copies if i notice somebody's in their head i'll give them that book and i was like okay i want you to read it and there's probably seven or eight people who've read it now and highlighted things and like written things that impact them so it's just kind of nice to go back and see because like everybody does struggle mentally at one point but then there's also a couple podcasts i listen to that are focused around mental game because if you don't have a good mental game you're not going to last very long yeah. What are the podcasts that you really like? Because um, sometimes it's really hard to find them. There's so many out there. Yeah. So Inky Johnson, he was like a professional football player that yeah. had a bad hit and he's paralyzed in his right arm. But then uh, there's another guy. I think it's um, 
they call him E.T. Thompson. He's extremely motivating, and he's he's got, I think, like 250 podcasts out there, and there's sometimes I listen to him at the gym because it's like him yelling at you to be better. And then Dwayne Johnson, like The Rock, has some really good ones, too. Honestly, if you can listen to, like, any of Will Smith's motivational things, there's so many. You can go on YouTube and just do motivational speeches and there's video after video compilations of motivational stuff and stuff to get you in the right headspace so like a lot of times i am just youtubing stuff the other two books i have are called you are a badass that's not kid friendly Um, it's not super kid friendly but like for the older kid i love that book yeah and it's entertaining too and it helps you so much there's like five of them and i've read two of them but i like motivational stuff it's normally what i listen to in the gym Besides your veggie tails. Oh, there was me and JC were driving. Apparently, something just a flip switches at about two in the morning on the road. And for whatever reason, when that switch flipped, JC was like, "You know, that sounds great right now. If we listen to Veggie Tales for another two hours, for <laughs> the longest two hours." Oh, longest two hours of my life. It was horrible. <laughs> Y'all have anything that you think would be beneficial? That you want to Full throw send in here. or no send. Full send or no send. You're either going to learn something or you're going to win. Uh, my biggest like piece of advice is whenever you go out to make a run, it's just like making another practice run. Because I would always freak myself right before barrels. And I always, either if it was in high school, Tori was there, or in college, I'll just call her. She's like, you've done this a million times. Why, does, why is this different? If you have a bad run, the world's not going to end. Yeah. Yeah. There's another rodeo to go to. Just another practice run. I got to the point that I was stressing myself out so much, and I would play it safe to try and not mess up on a run, but like I got to the point where I would almost rather fail risking it all than play it safe and not. Don't be afraid to like risk it and stuff like that. It, I, I would rather make a mistake and not win then play it safe and like fall short of being competitive if you risk it all and you make one mistake you can fix that mistake next time but if you risk it all and you end up making a good run you can win it with that it feels better to like make a small mistake full sending than to play it safe and not being good enough yeah and this is something that i realized one of my biggest oh wow yeah light bulb moments you can go out there and you can safety up and try to be perfect but you're never gonna win doing that. There are some really ugly runs that get a check. Mm-hmm. And I'd way rather walk away from the rodeo knowing that I went in there and I was going to compete and win. And it might have been ugly, but we pulled a check and we can make it pretty late. Like, we can improve some things. <laughs> okay, but did it ever pull a check? Did, yes. Yeah, she actually. Really? Um, there was one day, it was at Mobile. And one I day? five degree fever and she warmed up my horse and I won it and she got second. Oh, wow, that's so like a highlight awesome. reel right there. So one time I like took a semester off from go time, I came back and I tied an eight my first tie ever, so I'm hoping Ooh. that's what happened since we had an eight on a hundred foot score. So proud of you. <laughs> okay, not everyone is Tori Jacobs. We can't all be winning every college rodeo we go to, okay? Yeah. Come to my region. Hey, I've tied an eight on Spencer, so... With the ducking or without the ducking? With the kicking you in the head? Or... Poles is the ducking, goats is the kicking in the head. Ah. He's just got to add a little flavor every time. I'm pretty sure I'm (laughs) using them for goats, too, so get ready for a season of your life. Hey, the pictures are going to be fantastic. Just remember to, like... You said the one time y'all were practicing and Tori was like, duh, 
much. <laughs> just like drop to the ground. I can fall on command, okay? <laughs> Some people throw hands. Spence throws them feet. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that to look forward to this spring, Tori and Alex, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me today. Remember to like and follow this podcast on all of your favorite streaming services, and keep in mind that you can download it and listen to it later. Stay tuned for the next installment of the RodeoKids.com podcast.